1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bourne-Shane. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today as we continue in our study of Matthew chapter 6. Now, how we arrived here is over the past few weeks, we have been studying about the radical teachings of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Radical because they were so opposite to the ways of flesh. The ways we might handle things and operate in and through this world, the Lord came with the message that was totally contrary to the ways of the of flesh and the way it thinks, the way it acts and behaves and so in this, we have just been excited, challenged, convicted, especially as we've gone back through these powerful teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, many of them are found at the Sermon on the Mount. And so we have really just examined a few of the many that we'll be covering, but here we're in part three of our study of Do Not Worry. Now, over the last couple weeks, if you have missed those studies, you can go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, after all, and there you can find these broadcasts and more right at your fingertips, and you can share them with your friends and family alike. But as we kick off our study here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, with me here in the studio, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, always good to have you on Engage in Truth. Thank you, John.
0: It's always good to be here. After the show last time, we were talking about uh, how our various trophies and, and worldly goods wind up at the end. You were talking about the junkyard and going out there with your son, sort of looking at the cars and all the rest mm-hmm. of that. And, and how in casting crowns in their song, Only Jesus, which really speaks to the same thing that in their video, that it was filmed in a junkyard. Uh, And they're just taking these trophies out of the back of this vehicle and just kind of throwing it there because that's where all these things, these things that have, that are basically haywood and stubble, that's where they wind up. Mm -hmm. If we're not doing it for the kingdom of God, that's where it's going to wind up in the end.
1: That's right. That's right. But this, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, this is a, and you're absolutely right, Dr. Ford. This is truly the, uh, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, we were examining then why why we worry at all right. about things. Because we really are living in a materialistic world. So true. But as we're about ready to hear, it's not just the type of materialism as we might think of the luxuries right. of this life. Right. But rather, because we have a materialistic mindset at all, we uh, gravitate to just thinking, what am I going to eat next? What am I going to wear tomorrow? How do I uh, operate today with the money that I have? How am I going to pay my bills? All these things that really dominate our train of thought is a materialistic way of thinking, all of it. It's not about amassing things to yourself, but how we live and breathe in this world, really, all of it. The Lord wants everything. He wants us to think about His sovereignty over all things. And when we finally grab hold of that, that God truly reigns over every breath, every moment, that we become a vessel, an agent of doing His good work and purposes, speaking truth, living out truth, being light in a world that is nothing but darkness. That's how opposite we are to behave and think. That's the construct of a mind that is truly transformed by the inner working of the Holy Spirit in it that we stop thinking about such things. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't need them. Certainly, while we are a soul in a very earthen vessel that will go away, we are going to graduate from this body, and praise be to God that our bodies will be resurrected into a new and eternal state, Uh, But the bodies that we're in today, we know that they give into entropy. They will ultimately fail us. Unless that rapture comes tomorrow, uh, (laughs) these bodies are not going with us uh, in their current state. And so we have the redemption of our souls, and unfortunately the bodies just don't carry along with that plan until the end in which the Lord will resurrect those bodies. Praise be to God for that. But until that happens... (laughs) We do have a very fleshly way of thinking, and yes, we do have to eat, we do have to sleep, we do have to go through these things. The Lord himself did that. He grew tired. He grew thirsty. I Praise praise be to God that those things were revealed scripturally to show us that he was in a very real flesh and blood body. Uh, unlike uh, docetism and other types of false doctrine that we're teaching otherwise, and they were heresies. But in this, we see that these bodies do dominate an awful lot of our time and energy and everything that we put into trying to care for them, give them creature comforts, entertain the mind, and all these sort of things, and that dominates probably more than 90% of our day, and then God gets the scraps. Right. And, and now we're about to put on a new paradigm throughout this study to think differently.
0: Amen. Yeah, I had to laugh because when you're talking about that entropy, as I'm pushing 60, I see a little bit more of that entropy every time I look in the <laughs> mirror. <laughs> but this is yeah. uh, Matthew six twenty-five to 34, and it reads, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble.
1: Mm, amen. Well, with that, let me add this powerful illustration. Uh, someone sent me a video the other day, a very short video, but it made the point. And I wish I knew the uh, individuals in the video so I could credit them appropriately. But there's a a professor speaking to a class, and uh, the students are all looking very, you know, intently at their teacher, and he pulls a glass off of his desk, and it's filled with water, and he looks to the students, and he says, how much do you think this weighs? To which the students then reply, are you asking about the cup that's holding the water or the water with the cup? And he doesn't answer the question. He's just sitting there holding it in front of them, and and they start throwing out numbers. Oh, so eight ounces, 12 ounces, 16 ounces. You know, they, they think themselves so clever, right? They're going to gauge the size of the cup and the weight they're in. And he looks at them and he says, really, the weight is irrelevant. If I hold this cup here for, I don't know, say a few minutes, I'm going to start to feel the weight of this cup. It really doesn't matter how strong you are. I can hold this cup then all day long, perhaps, and by the end of the day... My arm may even feel paralyzed at some point, totally numb. It doesn't matter if it's only eight ounces that I'm holding here, but because I'm in this holding posture and trying to keep my arm raised, holding up this glass filled with water, my arm will start screaming with pain and going numb and affecting the rest of my body. And I won't be able to focus on anything else except for the pain that's now pulsating through my body as I'm trying to hold this cup filled with water. And, and that could take me all the way through the evening, and depending on how long I'm willing to endure this excruciating pain, what I will find is that I could quickly alleviate this pain by simply putting the glass down. And that's true of our worry. That's true of our stresses, that we try to carry all of these burdens and and as we do, we amass more and more burden to where we're crippled and unable to even think of anything beyond the pain of that stress, and, and we're paralyzed. Dr. 40 you've mentioned that in previous broadcasts, we're right. paralyzed from doing any of the work that God has called us to do. Being fully in the moment with our spouse or children or anybody who's trying to get our undivided attention (laughs) because we're so distracted now by this pulsating pain through our mind and perhaps even physically affecting our bodies now by the stress we refuse to put down. And fittingly, Dr. Ford, we just talked about it prior to starting this new series on Do Not Worry, as the Lord instructed us not to serve money or the things of this world, to amass treasures that are given unto rust and to moth and ultimately to thieves. That We focus so much on these things, and yet then they cause us a great deal of stress. I have to hold on to this house, these cars, these possessions, these things. And if somebody's trying to take those things, and if they're not working quite right, and we know how cars just are so reliable, especially these days, <laughs> I mean, they can cause us to stress out greatly with thousands of dollars in repair bills, and certainly our homes as well. And all of these material things that really uh, are wrapped around our identity, we don't really need all that square footage. Probably don't really need that type of car But we have expended so many resources to have them. Now they dominate the day to pay for them or to maintain them. And so the very thing we couldn't do, we didn't follow the other instructions. So now we succumb to other types of pressures and problems. It's a cascading effect that we couldn't resolve it here. So now it's affecting us down here. And that's why you see the brilliance in the Lord's instruction. I don't suspect that John the Baptist had too many stresses outside of kings wanting to kill him. And that's a stressful circumstance nonetheless, but really he he didn't have material possessions really to weigh him down. He totally was dependent upon the Lord. Now, granted, we're not being called necessarily to live as John the Baptist lived, but nonetheless, we can see how the ramifications of carrying such burdens in the world will greatly affect us in every other sphere of our life. If we don't learn to handle this correctly biblically now, it will harm us physically spiritually, even harming our family relations, maybe even the salvation of someone if we don't deal with these matters right now? Because it is affecting our testimony after all. If we're worried about something, then we really are challenging the sovereignty of God. Why would anyone want to worship the God you worship if all you do is succumb to the stresses, worries, and pressures of life as if those are greater than the God whom you serve? And worry is not to be confused with thinking and planning to meet future needs. I think some of us who are perhaps A-type personalities who are listening to this, and they're planners— and they're very concerned about those those outcomes uh, coming out a certain way, especially event planners. If you, you spend time with event planners, you know they're they're trying to plan every type of detail because the event's going to happen whether they're ready or not. Uh, wedding planners who might be listening, these details are very demanding, and they can cause us to at least in some way worry. And we need not think about planning as the type of worrying we're talking about. Worry is not to be confused with genuine concern for something, but rather worry is the preoccupation of our mental and physical strength with things that are future, hypothetical, and often, I mean, way off, far often, (laughs) beyond our control. That's right. Uh, Because we have this illusion of control that dominates the landscape, and worry is the antithesis of faith. And faith perceives potential problems with a view to the infinite power and fatherly concern of God who has saved us. But worry sees only the obstacles, actual or even imaginary, and meditates on all the disastrous possibilities while neglecting the fact that God's divine care and control is active in our lives. He saw the end from the beginning, and we are designed to work instructed to do so. That's Ephesians chapter 2 and 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. But your existence, your living and breathing are made possible by God. He is the provider. He is the sustainer. We are told in Colossians that Jesus makes us possible. Uh, Dr. Ford, we were talking before the program, I think that Colossians 1, 15 to 17 really fits that. If you have that verse, could you read that to us?
0: I do, yeah. Colossians 1, 15 to 17
1: Yeah, that's that's a hard one for our minds to wrap around. I mean, certainly we've we've geeked out over the sciences of late as they've been exploring, you know, the CERN hadron collider and exploring the Higgs boson and all of these other variables of what holds matter together and the non-locality of things and we're seeing power sources that just aren't adding up as if there is some power source in the universe that is holding all matter together. It's not found within the matter itself, but an an extra source that is now holding all things together, and it's driving scientists crazy as they try to explore these things, which we who have the Bible already had the answer. God is the one who holds all (laughs) of this together. He holds your very cells together, and that is a a difficult-to-process concept uh, because then we see that the very things that are causing us pain— are also likewise being held together by the same sovereignty of God. The same thorn that was in in Paul as he was trying to do the Lord's work was given to him uh, because in it he would learn to depend wholly on God, not in his own strength. Even the very afflictions that he went through, do not depend on himself, do not depend on your own strength, but only in God who is able to deliver in and through these circumstances. He told Israel to do the same thing as they conquered enemies, and they dare not think that they were the ones who conquered those enemies as they were going through the promised land, but rather it was God who delivered the enemies into their hands. And as they were prompt to think, I'm going to take these chariots and these horses, the Lord said, no, do not take those things because in those instruments of warfare, you will think that you brought victory to yourself as opposed to God who brought these enemies before you and brought them down before you. Yeah, I was recently reading about uh, Tim Keller. People who in our
0: audience who follow Tim Keller will know that he was diagnosed some time ago with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And a uh, post about uh, he and his wife Kathy that they have pressed in to the Lord so much during this. He said it's so different when you're he's a pastor and he's you know people are are experiencing cancer and going through it. That's it's one thing to be on that side of the equation, but when it's actually him. Uh, it was a totally different ball game, but the result has been such great intimacy with the Lord that they say they would never go back again. Mm-hmm. So even this horrific diagnosis, these experiences, that as he presses into the Lord, that the Lord is blessing it and bring him into closer communion with him.
1: You know, we've talked about it on and off air as well, just like the butterfly effect of right. everything. Um, and that's probably oversimplifying, and yet it's a complex idea that every single thing in our world is is tied together, a That's thematic right. thread runs through everything, that if I have stubbed my toe today, that I may not walk at the same pace that I normally would have walked, therefore I may not arrive at my destination at exactly the moment that I had pre-planned, and that may also be by God's perfect planning. If I it was not as expedient that day and had to slow down a little bit, what adversity might have been avoided in that? I mean, we could re- reverse engineer the entire day and probably come up if we really examined it with a thousand probabilities of how even the flat tire could have spared your life. The flat tire could have opened a door of conversation with somebody you may not have had that conversation with. Perhaps you took that phone call while you were waiting that was critical. I mean, the the possibilities are endless. And so we fixate on what we think is the problem rather than looking at it as the opportunity of ministry, that every moment has already been foreknown by a God who saw the end from the beginning. And that sovereignty is hard for us to process. That lordship that God has even over time itself, nothing is beyond his power or grasp or understanding, and yet we struggle then in this world filled with the toxicity of sin to comprehend such things.
0: That's interesting because don't we see that in in the early part of the book of Acts where persecution actually causes the gospel to spread just mm-hmm. as jesus said that it was going to
1: that's right yeah. and, and often in our lives too right you know we resist the things that cause affliction and yet they're often the best thing for us right, right? i mean you can't work out and go to the gym and expect to have a great soft exercise right it's going to hurt because <laughs> you've got to break down the muscle in order to build it up into something new and likewise for us in our broken way of thinking this has to be broken down in order to be built up into something new in the image of Christ himself. You know, we are told that our days and our months are numbered by God, every single one of them. In Job chapter 14, verses 1 to 6, and I'll just read 1 to 2 and 5 to 6, listen to these words. He says, "'Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Since his days are determined,' The number of his months is with you, capital Y-O-U, to God. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Look away from him that he may rest till like a hired man he finishes his day. What a powerful and almost poetic way of describing here that every day is owned by God, foreseen by God. You cannot extend it beyond the boundary he has set. And so for individuals who live a very brief life on this earth, sometimes I've seen the impact of the brevity of their life impacting into hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, and they were only with us for but a few months, perhaps. Some who seem to have died early, as we might think to be early, we don't expect that a teenager or a 20-year-old, even 30-year-old, should ever leave this body at that age, But yet, every day has been foreseen by God. Even the difficulties that are amassed unto us, the Lord is still over these things. I'm reminded that God knows what He's doing when I go through Scripture. He's not reactive, He's already seen all of this, He's already planned accordingly. Satan cannot thwart His will, the armies of darkness cannot thwart His will, and certainly no man can thwart his will. Job said in Job forty two, three, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. I talked of things too wonderful for me to know. He says in Isaiah forty six ten that he saw the end from the beginning, in Psalm 139 that he is omnipresent, and that there are no accidents, for all things are according to the counsel of his will in Ephesians 1, 11. In fact, uh, as I just mentioned, of the omnipresence of God from Psalm 139, it tells us that God formed us in the womb and that every day of our life was fashioned before a single day came to pass. Now listen to these powerful words, Psalm 139, 13 to 16, "'For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works.'" And that my soul knows very well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. Now, and this is powerful imagery here. I mean, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, you were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God to fulfill His mighty purposes. You are predestined through Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, and Romans 8, 29-30. We are told in Isaiah 14, 27, and Job 42, 2, that we cannot thwart the will of God, and all things are purposed by God, even the wicked, for the day of trouble According to Proverbs chapter sixteen verse four, there is no authority on this earth that is not under the control of God. Habakkuk one five tells us that God is working in the nations, raising up and taking down whom He chooses. In Daniel chapter two, verse twenty one, it tells us that God raises up kings and puts down others. In Proverbs eight fifteen, it tells us that God alone is allowing kings to reign. In Daniel 4.17, he tells us that God has authority over all human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wishes. And I love the dialogue in John 19.11 that Jesus tells Pilate that the only authority he has is the result of God giving it to him. Right, So he thinks that he's amassed this power, that he's risen to some stature of authority by his own efforts, and it's only because God has allowed him to have that power for that very time and reason that he was even put into that position. So who are you, oh man, to fret about your days, your months, and your years? Who are you to worry about anything on this earth when you cannot capture your next breath without God's permission? You need only to be reminded of that in James chapter four, verses thirteen to sixteen, because after all, you are an instrument in God's hands and operate under his sovereign will in his perfect timing. You will fulfill his mighty plans until he and he alone has determined that your mission is completed. And Dr. Four, I know we've got much more to cover on this as we talk about this really this examining. The sovereignty of God, the lordship of his authority over all things, in this we can rest assured and therefore not be given into worry, stress, or anxieties of this world, because now we fully have a broader, better picture of the majesty of God over all things, that he is not reactive, he is not distant, he is not unknowing, that somehow something can take him by surprise, and we stress about things because at some point we may have to let something go, and we don't like that. We want control. We want to reign over the affairs in our lives. And and we would make a total train wreck of that. If not for the sovereignty of God Amen. and his mercy day in and day out, we would find ourselves thinking that we can run things better than he can. And quite the contrary to that fact.
0: Yeah. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. I guess our question is, will we embrace it? Amen.
1: Amen. So, Dr. Ford, will continue on our discussion of Do Not Worry next week. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to Engage in Truth. We hope this broadcast has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to listen to this and more, please visit us at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church, right on the south end of Colorado Springs. And we'd love to worship with you if you're looking for a church to go and worship with others. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.